You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom Abracha. This is On Principle, Challenges in Jewish Education. I'm Avram Kivalevich, and I'm here with Rabbi Shmuel Skeist. Now, some of you might know that uh, it's not strange that I'm here with Rabbi Shmuel Skeist because Rabbi Shmuel Skeist and I work together. We're both connected. He is the Rosh Hashiva of the Yeshiva of Newark. And of course, this podcast is an extension of the Yeshiva of Newark, and we have been good friends for uh, over eight years, and we work together uh, in the Yeshiva planning and other things, including this podcast. So I am here with Rav Shmuel, not as in our usual way. And we're, although we're not wearing hats, we're going to be wearing different hats uh, met- metaphorically than we usually do. Um, not in terms of the great stuff that's happening in Yeshiva of Newark, which you can find out at our podcast site, and you can find the link to the Yeshiva site and find out all about that. We're not going to talk about that today. In fact, some people have, have, have commented that on our On Principle show that most of it is about boys learning, yeshiva learning, what, how the Haredi boys are doing with COVID, how can we find a good yeshiva that has good secular studies. And we've sort of ignored, in a sense, the other phenomenon, the other 50% phenomenon, which is women's learning, girls' learning, seminary learning, young women's learning. So I knew that uh, Rav Shmuel had a very large, strong history in that regard. Uh, he was a senior lecturer in the Oranava Women's Torah Center in Brooklyn, and he also uh, taught in Stern, which is, I think, officially called uh, Yeshiva University Stern College for Women, uh, uh, institution I'm proud to say that I helped support by sending uh, my daughter there, and I was very happy with the education that she got. Plus, uh, Rabbi Skeist has also taught uh, women in Bar Ilan, uh, university in their, I think it's called their base medrash program studies. And one of the reasons why I, I felt, not only because we had ignored it, and maybe you'll uh, correct me on this, uh, Rav Shmuel, is that with COVID-19, um, there, there has been a greater uh, emphasis on what things in our society can be different, what can change. And people have made the case that institutions and cities and states, and in fact, governments that are run by women or managed by women primarily, and like women scientists like Angela Merkel and and others, that those states and cities and governments and institutions have actually been more in line with what the proper behavior should be. They have been managed better. Women, this has shown that women have been... uh, have done a better job or can do a better job. And it made me think again about we in the Jewish world, how we're educating our young women, how we're educating our, our in our seminaries, what it is that we want them to achieve, where do we want them to go, what do we see as the ultimate purpose. And uh, therefore, I sort of want to get your input as a person who has been a professional women's educator as to what you see uh, the, the role of the seminaries to be, where they're standing now. I mean, you could run with this ball as much as where you'd want to go. I'm not going to try to fence you in. I know you better than that. Uh, that when you get going with something, you're going to fly where you want to go. But that's basically where I want to start you off with. So 
why don't you respond to that first? Okay. Well, first of all, um, I'd have to say that I, I've also seen this uh, reference uh, to women leaders during the COVID pandemic and their response. As a matter of fact, the other night I was reading an article about a, a, woman, a woman who is the uh, head of one of the Canadian uh, provinces. Uh, I think, I'm not sure if it was Nova Scotia. I'm not, I don't remember which one, but uh, it was lauding her preparedness and her uh, leadership during this time and how she had uh, very successfully um, dealt with with the crisis. And uh, I noticed a sentence in that article um, that said, you know, she displayed the, um, you know, the typical women's leadership qualities of whatever it was. And um, I just, I found that really funny uh, because typical leadership qualities that, that were described uh, are possessed by men as well. They're not exclusive to women. And this idea that somehow um, there, there are innate leadership qualities that women have that men don't have is just as ridiculous as saying that there are innate leadership qualities that men have that women don't have. And either you say that and you're okay with saying it on both sides of, of the equation, or you can't say it at all. So um, this idea that somehow women have something particular to this crisis, I think, I, I don't know. I, I, I think good doctors are good doctors, good leaders are good leaders, and it doesn't matter whether they're men or women. Um, so I'm very suspicious of this idea look, of- look, Far be it from me to, to question someone of such vast uh, experience. I know that you also have uh, your degree, of course, as a, uh, as, as a counselor, and you've done a lot of uh, reading and brain science, I think there is something to be backed up about the way you know, that they have seen how men generally process and women generally process. And I think there is stuff even in the, you know, there's Makairis and Chazal as well, indicating, you know, women's worry about the house versus men's sort of um, uh, lunging forward in an adventurous manner. And again, uh, uh, there's been biologists, uh, evolutionary biologists, who also talked about this in terms of the hunter gathering. So, I, I, again, I, 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 Barb, I'm not going to uh, uh, disagree, disagree or agree, but 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 I, I think you have to admit, Rishmul, that women there's still a big leadership vacuum, and in in America for sure, right, where we have these two codgers, you know, these two men, these two old men in their 70s uh, dealing with becoming the highest office in the land and specifically, again, about the role in our world, in the, in the Jewish world for these women to play. So I, I, I don't completely disagree with you. I want to be clear. I'm not saying there's no difference between men and women. Uh, what I'm saying is that um, the, the, the notion that there are universally uh, applicable um, va value, values that all women leaders will have uh, by definition of being a woman is, you know, I mean, I don't know. Catherine the Great wasn't so great in my book. Um, Again, I think we got to erase the board in terms of history. Even, even, even if we talk about... Uh, uh, Golda Meir, or Golda Meir, because um, this is a different world. You know, things, you know, we're sort of 
post the Me Too movement, especially. I understand. Look, my my point is, look, I, I, my point is, I'm just saying that I'm I, I, I'm about to say that I do think that the chinuch for men and women should be different. Okay, so go and, ahead. <laughs> but but I just want to say, I just want to point out that the, the the modern language and the modern way that these things are spoken about seem to me to be so political, and so not. Uh, talking about the the reality. The reality is some women leaders will be great leaders. And the reality is some women leaders will be total failures, just as some male leaders are total failures. That's my point. I'm not not disagreeing that there may be different qualities. And there may be some male leaders who will actually be better at the qualities that women generally display, as well as there may be some women, female leaders, who are better at the qualities that males usually display. There's no... no, um, sort of um, model that that everyone conforms to we live in a uh, people are very complicated human beings are very complex and this uh, idea that we know exactly what box to put every single human being in by virtue of their uh being male or female is just right I don't know. right animals are definitely different than people in that sense and and i and i agree that uh you know and i'm not trying to but again, as a person with as as a person with experience, we know that girls seminaries, women seminaries, the methodology is different, um, and, and and what you want to get is different. So how how, how would you uh, how would you explain it? Okay, so you- here's here's the issue. The way the way I, there's some there's some wonderful, amazing things happening in women's education in the from world. Um, there, uh, let's start with the positive, right? So the positive is that we have a Beis Yaakov system that we didn't have until very recently that has uh, that provides a, uh, a level of education in uh, Torah and, and an understanding of Yiddishkeit that was really not achievable. Uh, my grandmother, Shalom, I remember when she was in her, I don't know, must have been in her 80s, um, was uh, very bitter about the fact that as a child she didn't get to go to Beisako. She didn't get to go to a, a school when when she was a, uh, in Russia, um, uh, Lithuania actually. But but um, you know she felt that she felt that it was a lack. She 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 was a very bright person and she felt that uh, there was a lack. And and so um, I, we, that doesn't exist today. And that's a wonderful, amazing thing. We also have schools Beisakos. Who, generally speaking, are doing a great job. Um, I remember once at an Arnava Shabbaton, I got booed by about 500 young women for saying this, because Arnava Shabbatons attracted a lot of people who weren't necessarily feeling so great about their Beisiakov education. Maybe they were a little a step different and felt a little bit rejected. But at the end of the day, uh, I would say 85 to 90 percent of the young women who go to Beisiakovs actually feel that. They got a good education. Actually, feel very positive about the experience, and they know they know how to read a pasuk of chumash. They know how to read a Rashi. They know how to how to learn. So, generally speaking, we've done it. We've come a long way from where we were two hundred years ago, and um, and uh, I think it's okay for us to be to acknowledge that. Not only is it okay, it's important for us to acknowledge that and to recognize that. Question is, what is still lacking? And 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 uh, one of the things that's lacking. Uh, is the concept of education that's uh, a, a higher education in in Torah study for women. And um, that is something that's lacking, I think, by design on the part of some people, although I don't know how 
whether it's actually been debated or, or thought out carefully. Uh, very fascinatingly, Ornava, where I was for seven years, and I, I, just to be clear, I wasn't the senior lecturer, I was a senior lecturer uh, in Ornava. And at, at that time, Ornava was a, um, a program where women in Brooklyn could have a place to go that had shiurim every night and uh, other activities also, so that just as a, you know, young men or or uh, or even married men could go to the base medrash and have a chavrusa. This was so that women could have a place to go at where they could be involved in a in a, uh, a Torah environment. And uh, for a number of years, I gave two shiurim. So there was every night there were these popular shiurim, which were you know the classic, uh, what I call the uh, the uh, the pirche leader approach. To, uh, to education, which is not exclusively for women. You find it all over online, where people like Rabbi Wallerstein and um, uh, uh, Harari and uh, all of these people, they get up. Talking about our own, our own IDT's Charlie Harari. Charlie Harari. They get up and they tell all these feel-good stories. There's a very interesting thing that they either tell you really amazing feel-good stories or horrible feel-horrible stories. There's very little in between. But um, these are high-energy, motivational uh, um, speakers, and and that's wonderful, and a lot of people enjoyed it. And those classes and those those shurim, of which I partook as well, I also gave... I also gave some of those shiurim. Um, they were much. They were very well attended. I also had a nachshir, where I taught for two years Sefer Yoshua on a high level. It was a text shir where we sat with Sefer Yoshua Makros Gadolos and we went through all the mafarshim as well as all sorts of other mafarshim. And I would prepare for hours for this shir and give it on a very high level. And so where my regular, Rabbi Wallerstein's share, where he's mamish, uh, he's like the consummate, ama- the most amazing Pirche leader ever, um, telling these amazing stories and bringing these amazing Mamari Chazal that are super inspiring, he would have 300 people. Um, I would have, uh, on uh, the, the night after or the night before, I don't remember what it was, I'd have maybe 50 people for the, for the, for the Ra Ra share. For the, for the Sefer Yoshua share, I would have maybe uh, six or eight, and and it was always fascinating to me because uh, you're talking about a, a, a you know a community of women that really love Torah that come to hear all these shiurim. But when it came to actually engaging in a text in a deep and meaningful way on a consistent basis, it was it was far less likely to be attended. And in general, that I, I believe that is the experience of people who teach women. Now, part of the reason for that is that level of learning takes more time. And many women just don't have the time. If they're married, if they have children at home, they have a husband at home and so on, they just don't have the time. And possibly if their husband is going to the base medrash to have a chavrusa, uh, they have to stay home and watch the, and watch the children and, and, and can't that engage. That doesn't, again, that, that theory is only can only go so far because yeah. you say that Wallerstein and the Rarash were getting women. Exactly. They were also women who had to be, you know. So I, I guess... Exactly. That's, that's my point. I'm 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 saying the excuse to highlight exactly what you're bringing up. That it's not a good enough excuse. It might explain some of it, but it's so, not enough of an right, explanation. So, so just to deal with the Pomeranian in the room, I would say that um, what happened? Obviously, when these girls and women were in uh, their high schools and when they went to their seminaries, they obviously were studying Tanakh. They were studying. They did have classes, and and as I have been a women's teacher myself, although I'm interviewing you. Uh, 
the, I actually found that women, and again, without getting into the gender capabilities or brain functions, I found that my women students, my girl students, were actually usually much better students in high school and beyond, even than I, when I taught in the, uh, the seminary in Chicago, TI, Teachers Institute. I found that they were actually more involved and they did very well. They took notes uh, and much more engaged in the material. So what happened that now that the seminary experience is over, they're not deepening their desire to study. What's going on? Yeah, so that's that's exactly what uh, my point. So it's interesting because um, the education is an education that uh, teaches them to, how to learn, to, gives them the basics, um, but it's also uh, clearly uh, mo- the model for the for the education is that uh, you're going to go and you're going to become uh, the wives of people who have the the uh, mitzvah d'oraisa of Talmud Torah, and your job is to support that, not necessarily to learn Torah on your own. And so for some reason, there has not been, there has, it's very rare to find a love of learning Torah that, uh, that continues. And, 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 and I see it in my own children to some extent. Uh, if they don't go into Chinuch, if they're not actually preparing a shir, it's not that common that they're going to pick up a sefer. Right, so it's an interesting sort of um, maybe in a way a double standard. I don't know, but uh, many w- women from be- the Beisiako, young women from the Beisiako system, uh, they want to know. They're checking out for shidduchim. They want to know what does he do in his spare time? Does he pick up a, a sefer? Uh, I have yet to hear a young man ask that about a Beisiako girl. Uh, nor have I, nor have I ever seen it on a on a resume of uh, a Beisiakov girl who's looking for a shidduch that in her spare time she um, maybe she'll go to shiurim, but but you know my my uh, so, so experience has been that it's not it's not serious shiur it's not shiurim of actual textual. So I think what I think what I'm getting from you is that you if you could and if you still be involved in women's shidduch. Uh, in a strong way like you used to, you would try to push for a, a, a type of system in those seminaries or a type of teaching that would plant a love of learning that would last past the chuppah. And, 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 and I guess the question is, from what I'm hearing from you, is that despite the efficacy of the teachers and how everything was being presented, there was this other motif that was being inserted there was this other motif, which look, do well, get a hundred on your tests here, know the Ramban and the Machlokas Ramban or what the Radak and the Rabag are arguing about, but just table that because there's something bigger for your future. And that's where you're really going to lie. So I don't, it, it sounds like what you're asking for is not jettisoning or changing what they're studying but to excise or to downplay the other message, the message of what you should be as a woman, what your role is in Kali Yisrael, that's the message that needs to be, that needs to be blunted or, or neutralized. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think there's something even, there's something deeper than that as well. There's a tremendous and understandable fear uh, of feminism in the, in the from community. And, um, uh, and when I say understandable, I I, I, I mean it, it because there is a, uh, a a brand of feminism, and without getting into the details of of, of feminism, because that's not the point of our discussion, 
But there is a uh, sort of a, um, nowadays we would call it an activist uh, notion of feminism that uh, seems to feel that it, it's a requirement to change the way things are and to change the status and so on and so forth, to change the way, the way we have done things. And, that, and that's, you know, one of the things that people uh, f- fail to realize and don't, and don't uh, give enough credence to is that uh, those kinds of changes don't generally happen successfully through activism. Uh, those changes happen organically over time. You cannot force a, a community to embrace new values, as, uh, as uh, people have found out when they've tried to push, uh, um, when they try to push radical change, if they're successful, it's, it generally comes along with all sorts of things that they didn't anticipate and that uh, didn't plan for. And then there are all sorts of problems and there has to be a course correction 50, 60, 100 years later, or they're just not successful at all. Right. So I, I think that um, I, I want to be careful here. I'm not advocating, you know, somehow the you know, big sweeping changes. However, um, I, it is interesting to me that uh you know you have women who really enjoy the learning at the at, at the uh high school level they enjoy it in seminary my daughter for example went to a seminary where the uh the woman who runs it is uh extremely uh, extremely capable and I, I actually listened to recordings that my daughter made in seminary and i was extremely impressed uh, who, who is that we're talking about uh mrs rena tarshish rebetzin tarshish um she is a saratskin and uh, she's a brilliant woman who gives an incredible sheer. She's, uh, um, you know, very, very impressive. And I wonder, I don't know, I don't know the answer to this. I wonder whether her Talmidos are inspired to keep learning on the level that uh, she is uh, modeling for them. Because uh, it is clear that this woman uh, is, uh, you know, more than just an average Yodea Sefer. I mean, she she really, really knows her stuff. Um, but... I can't, I can't. But I also yeah. noticed, yeah. but here's the, here's the interesting thing. I also noticed when I went to visit my daughter at the seminary, we actually ended up having uh, my, my sons, uh, we, we rented out the space from them to, in the seminary because they were away for a Shabbaton. So we used the seminary space for Shabbos for a, a um, uh, Shavar Brachas for my son. It's about 10 years ago. Uh, and I had to look something up. I couldn't find a Gemara. I couldn't find the Shabbos in, in the, the seminary. seminary. Right. right. So to me, that was fascinating because Rebetzin Tarshish is clearly looking up Gemara's. There's no possibility that she's not. You can't have a a, a, a solid understanding of, you know, Shas is, is a, a, a the centerpiece of, of Torah learning, right? So not even to have it on a, a, on a reference shelf. Um, I'm not saying that every girl has to have her own private Shas uh, at, at her desk, but not to have it there. That was very, very fascinating to me. So there's this interesting line that people apparently feel they have to walk, and I, I'm, I'm sympathetic to it because I understand the fear, and I think the fear is real, and 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 uh, and uh, um, I, I get it. At the same time, uh, how do you how do you how do you get around this? In other words, you know, if the, what is the message? The message is that it's only okay for Rebbe Tarshish for Mrs. Tarshish to be uh, looking up Gemara's. I've said this to you, I'm sure, in the past that I come from a family of women who I mentioned before, my grandmother did not have an education, but many other women in my family um, uh, were quite well, quite educated and certainly very, very powerful forces of, of leadership and build, building in their communities. Rebetzin Ruderman, who uh, anyone who knows her will know that uh, she, she was uh, 
uh, quite possibly, you know, the, she was definitely the, the power behind the throne over there in, in, in Baltimore. Um, her sister, uh, Rabbitson Neuberger, was also quite, uh, quite uh, um, capable. And, you know, and uh, Rabbitson Zalman Meltzer was my great, great uncle, if I'm not mistaken. His, his Rabbitson, who edited uh, his farm, clearly was, you know, clearly knew how to learn, knew her way around Shas. So, so um, the, 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 the challenge is to model that and give it over in a way that doesn't threaten to compromise the values that our uh, community has. And that's not a simple thing. So I, don't, I, I can tell you what the problem is. I cannot tell you that I have an easy solution uh, to the problem. It sounds like, um, to put it in, I don't know if these are uh, grubber terms, but I think there are terms that are people who listen to our podcast, I think, know about these schools, that you are sort of like pushing more like uh, a Drisha Institute type of approach, but not necessarily as far as Yeshivas Maharat by Avi Weiss. So in other words, Sil- Rabbi Silber's Drisha School in Manhattan, where the girls actually do study intensely, study the Gemara, study Rishonim. I have learned in the Drisha-based Medrash, and I have taken out Svarim and Rishonim and found them not only used, but notes and everything in it. However, you don't want to go as far as leading an agenda like uh, like Chovave did in terms of having women be Rabbonim and having binning. So you're very much in favor of, of there being higher education for all women, if they can, and especially the, like Drish and others that produce these yoetzets v'halacha, right? This is something that I assume you feel is something that the school should try to, should try to push forward, try to cultivate, but you want to put a line between that and actually becoming co-rabbis and, and et cetera. Would that be accurate? Yeah, it would be accurate. I would would clarify by saying, to me, the idea of a yoetzer halacha is beautiful until the moment you politicize it. Until the moment you make it about um, uh, politicizing. And I say politicize because that's exactly what it is. The need to have some sort of formal equality for men and women in terms of the names of their positions or in terms of the, the, uh, the those types of leadership, that's a highly politicized position. And it doesn't belong in scholarship. Uh, there's no one who would, you know, uh, uh, I, I, I think if a chiddush is a chiddush, if somebody tells you a chiddush or somebody goes, you imagine you go into Chaim Kanievsky, right? Since everyone loves to quote Chaim Kanievsky for some ridiculous reason. But, okay, we'll quote Chaim Kanievsky. Let's imagine you go into Chaim Kanievsky, you tell him a, a, a Dvar Torah from a woman. Do you think that uh, he's going to care whether it was from a woman or not? Of course not. If it's Emes, it's Emes, Right? It, 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 you know, maybe if you told him in advance, I don't know how what his perspective is, whether that would color it or not. But if you told him after, you told him a Devar Torah, and he says, oh, that's Taka Emes, that's brilliant, that's amazing. Who said that? And you say, Mrs. Rina Tarshish. You think he's going to say, eh, feh. Of course not. It's if, if it's if it's a beautiful piece of Torah, it's a beautiful piece of Torah. What does that have to do with whether it's from a man or a woman? The whole concept, the whole idea of politicizing this is is the problem. And, and, and I, I believe, in a sense, it is holding, that may be what is holding back uh, some, some people like Mrs. Tarashish or people within the Beis Yaakov community from advancing the idea of learning as, as, as a value because of this political thing that comes along with it. Yeah, 
I would just push back a little bit on that and say that I don't think that it's necessarily politicizing. Both of us are uh, professional educators, and we know that many times in order to encourage and allow the student to grow into something, you have to actually make a name for it, right? So many so many Bokram say, I want to see myself as a Dayan, I want to see myself as a Rav, as a The idea of having a title uh, and a role in society is it, it, what's which one is the chicken, which is the egg? We Since they're going to be shooting for something, which we can now craft a, a job description, that's going to get the person to absorb the information and become the person that can do that job and be that greater person because of it. Most people don't have the lishma to be able to say, yeah, I'm just going to learn Torah and just be a balabas or just be a person who's just going to be ohev Torah. You say, I want to be a Rosh Hashiva. I want to be a Rosh Kailo. I want to be a Yoetzet. I want to be this. And that is unfortunately the way most education works. And that is a problem across the board in all education in our society. Yes, that is a horrible thing that exists in all yeshivas and all Beis and all Beis in a sense. Um, that is a horrible thing, this curse of having to be a Gadol Hadar, this curse of having to be the great Rebetzin and the great, or the great, whatchamacallit, it's a terrible avla that we have foisted upon ourselves and our children in our generation. Well, I, I'm just talking about titles. I wasn't talking, I, know. I wasn't talking about the grand title. I was just talking about, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Let me just end with this. Uh, before we, uh, in preparation for this discussion, I sent you an article that I was really impressed by by someone I worked with uh, together in SAR. She's now, I think, the associate principal, Rivka Press Schwartz. She's married to Rabbi Schwartz from YU, and she is the daughter of Melech Press, who's a very distinguished uh, psychotherapist in Brooklyn. And uh, she wrote a, a beautiful article in Tablet uh, Magazine about her uh, teacher, uh, Mo Rechaya Osband, who, of course, everybody, both of us know that the Yavna girls who went to that school in Cleveland were very special and that the school was very special and unique. And in that school, um, you actually had a teacher who stressed only um, Tanakh, I believe, and I think the article sort of emphasizes that, but in such a magnificent way and such an incredible way uh, in terms of the demand of understanding the Amkus. And this was a school that was rooted not just in Rebetzin Osban's mind, but in a Europe that your grandparents and the people you were talking about came from. Lithuania, in the beginning of the 20th century, started to understand the gymnasias and understand where the women would study. And they had a Yavna type, these schools in Europe where they were already way beyond Sarishner with a certain, uh, an aristocratic tells air of godless Adam and godless Atira. And the women were proudly part of it. And when I read this article, and I've had my disagreements with uh, Rivka Preschwartz over the years, but this specifically about what she was extolling, I think could be a very nice model. If, <laughs> and, and, and I think it, it, it walked the line between what you were worried about in terms of the perception, how it's negative in our community. It doesn't lead to a, a feminization or a radical politicization. And maybe we can bottle that type of, uh, recipe that, that that she did in in, in Cleveland, um, maybe that's the type of thing that 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 could that could actually answer the bill 
in both ways. Maybe, I, maybe I, I want to point out. That I had an interesting interaction with a, uh, a, a huge Talmud Chacham. Uh, I, I don't want to say his name because uh, you'll you'll hear why. But um, when I was in Eretz Yisrael, so I taught at Bar Ilan University. I taught at several yeshivas. One of the yeshivas I taught at was Yeshiva Bat Ayin, which is in the West Bank, not far from the Gush. And um, uh, at the time, Bat Ayin had a women's seminary. I did not teach there. Uh, I taught in the in the men's uh, in the men's yeshiva, but uh, I came under tremendous criticism for teaching there on, on under no, for a number of reasons. Uh, they were it's a, it was much more open minded Baal Tshuva yeshiva than Eishat uh, Torah and Or Sameach. It was a bit of a different model. There were a lot of uh, hippie type fellows there, and so on. And uh, they were it was different. So. I, I was always being asked about it and sort of being asked about it as like, you know, hey, what are you doing there? You know, this is not uh, not appropriate. And I I thought about it and felt very strongly that it was a place of tremendous growth and tremendous learning. And um, although I didn't necessarily agree with everything that went on there, I'm, I'm, I'm not mechif to agree with every single thing that goes on in a place that I work. And I didn't see any reason not to. So a very, very big town Chacham called me, who I'm close with, and uh, was close, was even closer with at the time. He called me and he says, I don't understand um, how you could, he says, you, when you were in America last time, you told me about Barayan, you told me all these wonderful things, and I mentioned to somebody that you were there and that it was, sounds like such an amazing place, and this person uh, attacked me saying that there's a women's division there where they learn Gemara. How could you not tell me that? You know, like, like a, so I said, first of all, I don't teach in the women's, uh, department number one. Number two, we're talking about Bali Chuva. It's a Balai was a Balchuva Yeshiva. We're talking about Bali Chuva for the most part, women who many of whom have master's degrees and PhDs in their respective uh, fields, and they're coming into Yiddishkeit and they're interested in learning. What are we going to do? We're going to we're going to teach them things on on on. You know, we're, we're going to tell them another. Oh, no, this is not for you. You're not. You're not capable of what? What? What exactly are we going to say? I said, you know, Adaraba, tell me, tell me what I should tell a Balchuva woman who has a doctorate in uh, I don't know comparative religion or 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 is a uh, you know a, a, a her doctorate in social work or something like that and and understands what it means to learn on a high level and comes in and says I'd like to study Talmud because I hear that that's the central the central uh, Torah study of, of what, what am I going to tell her? And he said, hmm, I don't know. It's <laughs> a conundrum. I guess we can end off this just with the um, a statement I heard, which was, I think, is so true. I think it was Rabbi Sro Chait, who you might know from uh, Far Rockaway as well, Rabbi Chait. Sure. Uh, so Rabbi Chait said, look, the Rambam says that um, that we menatayra is a cheyuk of the mitzvah of Abbas Hashem, right? Abbas Hashem. Uh, the Rambam and Sefer Mitzvah says it clearly that the way you're Makayim Abbas Hashem is by being by 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 looking at Taira and being debarred the bum in, in the deepest possible way. Even if you want to say a woman's not Chayiv in the mitzvah of Talmud Taira, she's Chayiv in the mitzvah of Abbas Hashem, and this right. is the greatest means. So using your mind and using your mind in the, in the great depth way that the Talmud does, uh, as just to plug another of our uh, podcasts, uh, fundamentals of the Talmud, which is entrance way into the Jewish mind. Um, and how can you ever find that entrance way to Abbas Hashem and the Jewish mind without learning Gemara? 
So uh, that is definitely a conundrum. Yeah. Okay, Rabbi Skeis, it looks like we've stirred the pot a little bit on uh, this issue. And uh, maybe if there are people out there or listening, maybe they can probably be inspired and hopefully uh, start those type of uh, changes uh, that you're referring to, where we actually uh, can lead to uh, Moliard's Dea in a real way, even before B.S. Uh, Mashiach. So thanks a lot for being with us. I'll catch you on some other, <laughs> in our other hats, uh, a different time. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.